We can now continue our celebration of TBS's 28th anniversary this week with a special interview with renowned economist Richard Freeman, Professor of Economics at Harvard University, co-director of the Labour and Work-Life Programme at Harvard Law School, who has several prizes in labour economics under his belt. Professor Freeman actually visited South Korea in May, attending the conference Inclusive Korea 2018, held by the Korea Development Institute And that's where he provided his opinion on the government's minimum wage rise policy, uh, job creation and more. Let's join him right now through the phone. And thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with us. Uh, It's a pleasure to to speak with you. And I hope you find the pleasure after I'm done answering your questions. Well, I'm very certain of that, but thank you for being so modest. Um, I mean, the government here has raised the minimum wage by 16.4% this year, which is certainly steep, but uh, it's part of an initiative to to really push that higher and income-led growth, we call it, don't we? Uh, there are concerns about the negative side of it. What are your thoughts? Well, there are always concerns about uh, minimum wage having some uh, adverse effects on on employment, and 16% is a big increase. Korea actually has had large increases in minimum wages in the past, and I would say that as long as the the cost in, in, in employment is 1% to 2%, which are the kind of magnitudes one would expect from what's happened in other other countries, this would be a, a positive, successful policy because it would, have, it would have increased the wages of a substantial portion of the workforce by 16%, some loss of jobs for, for some people, 1% to 2%, and the shift in the income is going to be 16% minus the 1% or 2%. So it's a substantial shift to people who will then spend and create jobs with their spending. I would anticipate it would work. You wouldn't want to see 16% increases year every year. That might, might, might really cut employment, but we just wait and see how, how, how big, if any, there's a job loss from this, from this increase. So more gradual raises would be a, an ideal scenario rather than having to play catch-up and having large gaps between minimum wage hikes. But the people who yes. bear the brunt, apart from those who might lose their jobs, would be smaller business owners, right? Uh, do you have much sympathy with them, and, and, and do you think the policy should be carried out regardless of those concerns? Well, I, I think that the, the problem facing small business people is how can they get the productivity of workers up and make their enterprises more productive in order to bear this cost. You might have said that by having a a lower minimum wage, you are subsidizing the least efficient small businesses. I'm sure the more efficient small businesses will will manage to uh, succeed in in um, in responding to the minimum wage. But there will be others where the business conditions, the knowledge of the business person, uh, their entrepreneurial skills may be more limited. And there I would have, if I'd been advising the government, I would have said, 
you should set up an advisory group of business people and government people to help the small businesses adjust. And whether that's using some more modern technologies, whether that's changing their labor practices in some ways, because some of the reason they will have troubles is they just don't have the knowledge of how can I operate a more productive business that's paying higher wages. So knowledge may be the way rather than just providing subsidies, uh, which the government's going to be doing, providing 130000 one a month per employee to small businesses with less than 30 employees. But, but you've exercised or urged a caution, haven't you? You know, if you're giving the, uh, this money to the small businesses so that they can afford to pay this, that might even reduce their uh, energy level of finding more productive uh, ways to run the business. I suppose if I had an ideal law, it might have been you give them this money for one year, but they have to sign in for a program of consultation with with business experts and, you know, government experts, whatever, whoever would, would think through carefully, what should this kind of store or shop or factory do? And, and then you're tidying them over with some funds while they are learning and planning new strategies to adjust when, this, when the tide over money is, is gone. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very much like when you're trying to provide aid to a to a country overseas, for example, and, and you're trying to establish a way for that country to lift itself out of poverty rather than just constantly propping it up. But we're also seeing other measures as well, like, for example, trying to um, help solve youth unemployment by creating more public sector jobs. Do you, do you at least see that as being a potential way forward? Uh, well, Korea you know, is relatively low in its fraction of the workforce doing public sector things. So that if these, if the jobs for the youth are actually producing goods and services that are needed and that would benefit the Korean society, then that seems to me fine. And hopefully those kinds of jobs are things that people could stay with later. That's not a temporary uh, phenomenon. The temporary youth jobs are uh, not overly... uh, I don't, I don't think a whole lot of them. But if you're creating jobs to do real public services that will go on, uh, that, that's fine. Well, the current government is criticised for sluggish growth in employment since uh, inaugurated last year, uh, just over a year ago. The, the perceived unemployment rate has been rising for 13 consecutive months, though, according to Statistics Korea. What, what do you think is the reason for that. Why wouldn't we be seeing the same kind of progress that um, the world economy is experiencing? Well, because Korea recovered reasonably rapidly from the Great Recession. Korea, I mean, the unemployment rate you're talking about is just about the same as in the U.S. And we're, we're screaming it's the greatest unemployment rate we've, we've, we've ever had. In mm. many, and that's true in many years. And then if you look at the employment rate in Korea as well, it, one of the reasons the, some of the other, particularly the uh, OECD countries, uh, are, have had some growth of employment recently was they didn't have much growth of employment uh, in the earlier part of the 
recovery from the Great Recession. I mean, in the U.S., just re- basically re- reached a recovery from a recession that you know began in, in the U.S. in 2008. That's 10 years to recover from a recession is not so good. <laughs> but yes. once you get to that recovery, you're just not going to grow that much more. Well, especially uh, in when terms it terms of the unemployment, it, which makes a lot of sense. But especially when it comes to issues like youth unemployment. Every country seems to think of itself as being particularly bad off. Um, and, and, and it's understandable, of course, to care about yourself. But it, it is a global problem in developed countries, something that you have really been talking about for years. You wrote a book in 1976 titled The Overeducated American. And if you wrote a book today called The Overeducated Korean, even just that title would still ring true. <laughs> yes, well, one of the things that, 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 that I was concerned with then was rapidly expanding the higher education workforce, and you just were hoping that jobs would appear to uh, 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 for these people that would be good uh, kinds of jobs college graduates could ex- could expect. Nowadays, I think the the big fear for young people is going to be the uh, the artificial intelligence that can do white collar work, software programs that can do what a white-collar college graduate would do. And then, of course, there's robots. Korea is the most robotized country in the world. Robots that can do what blue-collar people can do. And basically, studies have shown that adding the the robots, it, it lowers employment of young people and actually benefits older people because the robots essentially do... Uh, phys- more physical labor that young people do better than older people. So it substitutes for them. We don't know how the artificial intelligence software is or will impact, but that's what I would worry for, 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 young, for young people, that they start their, their careers doing sort of routine work, learning some things inside a company, and your program is does it cheaper faster than a human can do, then we have to find other ways to get the young people into higher level jobs inside companies. We need a pathway. Professor Freeman, it's been a pleasure, as as I expected, to hear from you today. But we've got to leave it there. We've, we've run out of time. But thank you so much for speaking with us. Okay, fine. Thank you. Richard Freeman, Professor of Economics, Harvard University.